Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to the Dersh Show. Uh, a lot happens every day uh, in the Middle East. Uh, Trump. Uh, in the New York courthouse being testified against by his former lawyer Cohen, his lawyers dropping uh, like mad, pleading guilty in the, uh, in the Georgia case, and we'll come back to some of those things. But I want to talk about a strange phenomenon uh, that is occurring in the Middle East that really goes back 2,000 uh, years. Um, some of you <clears throat> may remember when you looked at the back wall of my um, office, you might have seen this strange-looking document. Take, take a look at it. It's it's it's, it's very old. Um, it's uh, it's a, a poster that was circulated, and it's uh, Nuremberg. Ironic, 1490, just uh, years before the United States, <clears throat> America was was found by. By Columbus, 1490, and, and and what does it show? The illustration shows an old Jew with a beard. You know, how? Sorry, an old Jew with a beard, and he's killing a Christian child by taking his blood and using it to bake a matzah. Matzah is the food that Jews eat on Passover, unleavened bread, like a cracker. And for 2,000 years, um, there has been the allegation out there that Jews kill Christian children. They kidnap them and they kill them and they bleed them and they take their blood and then they drink their blood in the form of, of, of matzah. Uh, nobody has ever found a case where it actually happened. In fact, Jewish law prohibits the use, the eating of blood. If you've ever eaten in a kosher restaurant um, uh, and you order a steak, uh, steaks in kosher restaurants are extremely dry because the blood is taken out of it because Jews aren't allowed to eat blood. Uh, it's a prohibition from from uh, from Jewish religion. So the last thing in the world Jews would ever do is use the blood of a child in a matzah. Matzah is just made out of flour and water and baked for 18 minutes. But this was a lie that no matter how many times it was denied, people believed it. Jews were put on trial for killing. If a Christian child was found dead in the street somewhere, oh, first accusation, let's get the Jew. And they put him on trial and they would convict him and execute him for killing a Christian child, even though there was no evidence. We all know that Jews bleed Christian children and use their blood for, for, for matzahs. There were pogroms. There were hundreds and hundreds of people killed sometimes in a single day based on this, what was called the blood libel. And it didn't matter how much evidence there was against it. It was true. And in Poland, Catholic priests, Catholic priests in Poland would give sermons saying, oh, Jews use the blood of, of Christians. And in, in a trial called the Bayless trial, 
the beginning of the 20th century, as recently as the 20th century, a Jew was put on trial and a, a Catholic priest testified, oh, yes, we know, of course, Jews drink the blood of Christians. It's as clear as, as day. And again, everybody, everybody believed it, even though it wasn't true. That's what's going on today with the bombing of the hospital in Gaza. Let's let's give the facts first. So there's this hospital in Gaza, and a lot of people, Palestinians, went there because they thought a hospital would be a safe place because they know that Israel doesn't bomb hospitals. Uh, so they went there, and they were in the parking lot, and a rocket, a bomb, a rocket, hit the parking lot and killed some people. Palestinians first said it was 700, then they said 500, and they said 470. U.S. intelligence says it's closer to 100. But still, it's a, a lot of a lot of people. And immediately, immediately, the media around the world said, Israel bomb, Israel rocket hits Gaza Hospital. The New York Times, the newspaper of record, had as its big headline on the Internet, which is seen all over the world and in the paper itself, which said, which declared that um, that uh, Israel bombed a hospital. It then said Palestinians say, but that's not the way it's read. Uh, it didn't say Palestinians say Israel bombed a hospital. It says Israel bombed a hospital, Palestinians say. It didn't say Israel denies that it bombed a hospital, Israel says. And that story made its way around the world. Uh, Pierre Trudeau of Canada uh, accepted the story. Uh, many other people accepted the story. Um, Israel called for an investigation and said, <clears throat> let's see the pieces, the fragments of the bomb, because you can tell from looking at the fragments of a bomb, did it come from an Israeli rocket or an Israeli bomb, or did it come from a terrorist bomb? You can tell easily. Um, uh, bombs leave residues and they don't, they don't disappear. Hamas took the bomb residues and, and, and hid them. And then they said, oh, there, 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 were no, there were no bomb residues. There were no bomb residues. They all evaporated. No, no, no. All the experts, all the experts said that's not what happens when a bomb hits. Um, it, it, it leaves uh, uh, fragments, um, shrapnel, large pieces of the bomb. But Tomas made them disappear, as, as we knew they would, because it would incriminate Islamic Jihad, the terrorist group that actually sent the bomb, one out of every five rockets sent by terrorists in Gaza, one out of every five, 25% misfire and land in Gaza, many of them killing Palestinian civilians, but they blame it on, they blame it on, they blame it on Israel. And, and so Israel produced a uh, film, some from Al Jazeera, not a particularly pro-Israel source, uh, showing the rocket coming from where it came from, uh, showing it went up in the air, it was headed toward Israel, and then it misfired, exploded, and fell to the ground. And it didn't cause a crater, the way a bomb would cause a crater, a dropped rocket would cause just a, maybe a little indentation. It had every single indicia of having been sent by Islamic Jihad. Then to cap it off, Israel released a tape recording of a conversation between two Hamas people, leaders, uh, in which they said, oh, my God, it looks like one of our people, it looks like Islamic Jihad did this. This is 
our bomb, it's not Israel's bomb. Even the Palestinians admitted it. Even Hamas admitted it. Yet, did that satisfy anybody? No, there were thousands of people in the streets all over the world screaming and yelling that Israel bombed a hospital. Students, students were proclaiming that, even though the evidence was 100% clear that it could not have been Israel. American intelligence said it wasn't Israel. Canadian intelligence, French intelligence, British intelligence, not a single intelligence agency, not a single one, as far as I know, said they had uh, any evidence to prove that it was um, it was Israel. But it didn't matter. It didn't matter. Uh, as as uh, one commentator said, um, the BBC um, went out of its way to blame Israel for not bombing um, the hospital. Another another journalist said. Islamic Jihad accomplished more in terms of its public relations, in terms of generating anti-Israel attitudes. It accomplished more by dropping a bomb on a Gaza hospital than it did by dropping all the bombs it ever did on Israelis. Uh, and of course, Islamic Jihad frequently sends bombs to uh, uh, to uh, uh, Israel and, and kills Israeli civilians. This time they killed 100, who knows, 150, 200. We don't know the numbers because you can't trust anything Hamas says. Uh, so, but we know that these people were killed, not deliberately. I don't believe you could say it, but I don't believe that Islamic Jihad purposely targeted. I think if they knew what the results would be, they would have purposely targeted Israeli, uh, Palestinian rather, uh, children. They do that. They use them as human shields. The Palestinians, obviously, they call it the Hamas, they call it the um, uh, uh, CNN uh, uh, tactic. Uh, I call it the the dead baby tactic. They know that they'll attack. When they attack Israel, Israel will have to respond by going after the rockets and the sources, etc. And they know that some children tragically will be killed as collateral damage. But um, they purposely put children as human as human shields and and take the bodies and bring them out to CNN gruesomely uh, to get CNN to show the dead. Palestinian children, and then you get the head of the UN um, uh, saying, oh, my God, it's all Israel's fault, or uh, other, other groups of people at university saying it's all, it's all Israel's fault. And I've gotten a lot of emails saying, what do you make of these pro-Palestine demonstrations at Harvard and at Yale and at NYU, and you hear the CNN calling them pro-Palestine demonstrations? I have a challenge. I want anybody to show me a single pro-Palestine demonstration that has occurred since October 7th. I can tell you the answer. There is not a single, not a single pro-Palestine demonstration at any university, on any street, anywhere in the United States, anywhere in Europe, anywhere in the Arab world. Not a single pro-Palestine demonstration. They're all anti-Israel. They're not pro-Palestine. They're pro-Hamas but they're not pro-Palestine. They're anti-Palestine. Because if you're pro-Hamas, you're anti-Palestine. Does anybody remember, and find me one if you can, and send it to me, a single sign at a single demonstration that called for the two-state solution? No, because there weren't any. Because the people in these demonstrations follow the Hamas charter. The Hamas charter rejects the two-state solution. It rejects Palestinian statehood 
unless it replaces all of Israel. The slogans instead are Palestine will be free from the river to the sea. That means that there'll be no Jews living in, in Israel. I'd like to see Palestine free, free of Hamas, because Hamas has been the worst thing that ever happened to the Palestinian people. Do you know they say that there is a humanitarian crisis in Gaza? It's nonsense. It's nonsense. Palestinians are being deprived of food. Yes. They're being deprived of fuel. Yes. They're being deprived of medicine. Yes. By who? By Hamas. Hamas has storehouses of fuel. They stole it from the people. Hamas has storehouses of food for its own fighters. They stole it from the people. Hamas has bottled water galore in their tunnels. They stole it from the people. And now in a display of unbelievable chutzpah, Hamas says, send us more, send us more. And Israel says, no, we're not going to send you more fuel because you're going to just steal it from the people who need it for hospitals. You, you're the one who created the humanitarian crisis, if there is one. And you're going to use them to fuel your rockets, to fuel your, your boats. Uh, today, they caught six or four, I don't remember how many, Palestinian terrorists swimming off boats um, to get to a, a beach in Israel and murder Israeli uh, civilians. Fortunately, the IDF caught them and killed them all, uh, which is well-deserved. Um, but just the idea that it's Israel that's causing this humanitarian crisis. No, it's Hamas. First of all, I don't see the humanitarian crisis. Uh, you know, I don't see anybody starving. I don't see anybody suffering greatly. Um, they have been subject to bomb attacks because many from Hamas tried to leave the north where the bombing occurs, but Hamas has prevented them from leaving and going to the south where it's where it's safer. So Hamas has caused whatever there is. It is not a humanitarian crisis in Gaza, number one. It is not. Maybe it will become one. But if it become one, it will become one because of Hamas, not because of Israel. First, Israel has no obligation to provide anything to its enemy, its sworn enemy. Did the United States, I don't remember this, maybe I didn't read it in my history book, provide electricity and fuel and, and medical care and food to Germany when it was holding siege on in Berlin or to Japan. I, I don't remember any of that. When you fight a total all-out war, you tie to war until the other side surrenders. Um, uh, did, did England, did the United States uh, provide any help to the people of Dresden before it firebombed them? Did it even give them any warning? Did it tell them, get out of Dresden? move to another city? No, no. It bombed them. It killed many, many, many civilians. Uh, that was part of the war plan. Churchill said, if we kill civilians, we will demoralize the German people and maybe they will pressure Hitler to uh, surrender. That was regarded as a perfectly acceptable war tactic. Now, after the war, rules of war were designed. They always were rules of war. People like Lauterpach and other prominent people had devised rules but uh, only after the war were they institutionalized in the Geneva Conventions and other kinds of things. But they've never been followed. Uh, they've always been followed selectively, opposing a double standard on Israel and the United States. And uh, Israel should not be accepting that uh, double standard. It shouldn't be making decisions to endanger its own civilians and its own soldiers um, in, in order to comply with 
a double standard of, uh, of morality. It should tell the head of the UN, the Secretary General of the UN, who's my neighbor, lives just a couple of blocks from here, I've seen him, um, and, and he seems like a nice guy. He's probably the most pro-Israel uh, Secretary General of the UN in many years, but he put all the blame on, on Israel. And people are creating a kind of moral equivalence between, on the one hand, Hamas beheading, raping, uh, murdering, kidnapping uh, young civilians, you know, ranging from three years old to 90 years old, and Israel's attempt to protect its civilians by bombing legitimate military targets and occasionally uh, killing uh, civilians. By the way, the number of civilians who Hamas claims are killed is way, way, way exaggerated. First, they lie about the numbers, just totally lie. They make them up. They double, triple the numbers. Second, they call civilians, anybody who's not in uniform, nobody's in uniform. There's no official army in Gaza, so everybody's a civilian. The terrorist is a civilian. They also say children. Who do they include as children? An 18-year-old who went along and murdered and raped, um, uh, or a 17-year-old or a 16-year-old. They say women. Oh, poor women. Women are a central part of, of Hamas. Uh, many of Hamas's most brutal killers are women. So don't give me this women-children thing. Yeah, if you're six years old, that's one thing. But if you're 16 years old and you're firing a rocket, you're not a child. You're a murderer. You're a combatant. And Israel has the perfect right to treat a 16-year-old as they would treat a 36-year-old. And it's perfect right to treat somebody who isn't wearing a uniform or even wearing a Hamas headdress uh, who helps hide rockets in their home willingly or who allows themselves to be used as human uh, shields or who helps Hamas load the rockets or gives them guidance as to how to break through the fence uh, or does anything that is in any way assisting of Hamas. They're not civilians. You know, I like Secretary of State Blinken, but he made a terrible mistake today at the UN. He said, a civilian is a civilian is a civilian. No, he's wrong. There's a continuum of culpability. I call it a continuum of civilianality. There are some people who are more civilian than others. The kid, the six-year-old is a civilian. The 17-year-old who helps load the rockets is not a civilian. The 25-year-old the, the who provides uh, uh, resources and, and even medical care to Hamas hmm. belongs on the continuum of civilianality, but closer to combatant than civilian in some way. So no, a civilian is not a civilian, particularly when you don't have real armies like you had in Japan and Germany. When you have people who work as house builders during the day and then rocket builders at night, uh, you have to think about civilians along a line, and some are more civilian than others. And the closer you get to culpability, uh, the more uh, Israel has the right to include you as a combatant, not as a civilian. And so, you know, we need new words, we need new ideas, we need new ways of describing this kind of, of warfare. And the warfare occurs not on battlefields, but it occurs where Hamas wants them to occur. And they fire their rockets from mosques. They fire their rockets from hospitals. They fire their rockets from schools. They fire their rockets from UN facilities. They fire their rockets from all places where they know civilians will be killed when Israel responds as it has the right to do by destroying the rocket. And whenever that happens, 
you know who's to blame. I've given you this analogy before. I take a hostage while I'm robbing a bank and I shoot from behind the hostage and I'm holding the hostage as a human shield and I start killing people in the bank. Boom, 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 boom. And a policeman finally in desperation tries to shoot and kill me, but instead kills the hostage. Who's guilty of the crime of murder? Well, I taught criminal law for 50 years and I can tell you who's guilty. The man who held the hostage in front of him is guilty of murder, even if he didn't fire a single shot. Even if the bullet that killed the hostage came from a policeman's gun, the policeman is entirely innocent. The only person that's guilty is the person holding the hostage. The same thing is true in Gaza. Those who use human shields are guilty when the human shields die, not the Israelis who are trying desperately to avoid civilian casualties. Why would Israel want any civilian casualties? This is the last thing they want. They know it, it's terrible in the court of public opinion, and they're a moral army. They are taught never, ever under any circumstances. The, the Queen of Jordan, a complete hypocrite, the C Queen of Jordan was on television today essentially defending Hamas, saying, oh, it's against Islamic law. Goes back 1,500 years. First of all, she didn't know her dates. She doesn't know what she's talking about. Um, it, it goes back all those years. And Islam says uh, when you invade, uh, uh, you can't kill a civilian or even hurt a tree. She doesn't know it comes from the Old Testament. It's virtually quoted from the Old Testament. The Old Testament says you can't, you can't destroy fruit trees or trees that grow. But uh, that's not the Islam that's being practiced by Hamas today. So the Queen of Jordan is, again, another hypocrite, saying that the world doesn't care about Palestinians or Arabs. No, the world cares much more about them. And that's why you get headlines like that in the New York Times and on the BBC and in uh, and, and other places, because the world cares much more and blames Israel, much more than they do Hamas. Uh, and that's particularly true of young people. Young people today, they did polls that shows that uh, uh, older people totally support Israel and are against Hamas, but younger people are split down the middle, essentially. And, um, and, and it doesn't matter what the facts are. And that's what Israel is reacting to. It doesn't matter. If you don't bomb the hospital, you're going to get blamed for it anyway. And I'm sure there are some cynical Israelis who say, what the hell, we're going to get blamed anyway, let's do it. No, no, that's not the way the army operates. That's not the way it should be done. But let's understand that Israel is exposed to a double standard. I'd love to, to debate the Queen of Jordan and ask her how she explains the hospital. You know, uh, Amanpour, the, the very biased reporter for CNN, didn't ask her that question didn't ask her the hard questions. She, you know, she was so thrilled she got an interview with the queen that she let her get away with murder. Uh, but I think we should ask those hard questions. And those hard questions uh, obviously are very difficult for people who support Hamas to answer. So let's be clear again. Nobody out there is pro-Palestinian. They're anti-Israel. They're pro-Hamas. I'm pro-Palestinian. I want to see a peaceful Palestinian state that lives next to Israel in, in peace. But boy, you can't find people like that on college campuses. I, I don't get invited to speak on college campuses on Israel because I'm in favor of the two-state solution. Two-state solution, that means there can be an Israel. And if there can be an Israel, you can't talk because we won't allow you to speak on our campus in favor of there being an Israel. Our students will be very upset if there's an Israel. We don't want there to be an Israel. All right, let's see what the letters are. A lot of people liked my little history lesson 
uh, yesterday on how Israel came to be and and what the story was. And uh, I got some very nice I got some very nice notes about that. Uh, one of the, one of them was particularly. Uh, Thanks, Alan. And you did it all from memory without notes. Uh, you know, not bad for an 85-year-old. But I've been thinking about these things, obviously, for uh, probably 70, of, maybe even more, of my 85 years. So it doesn't, it shouldn't surprise anybody that without notes, I can give a half an hour, 20-minute lecture on, um, on, on the history of Israel and the history of the relationship between Israel and the Palestinians. Okay. The only way to stop this is the destruction of the supplier of money, weapons, and the terrorist training. And that terrorist supporter is Iran. Cut the head off the snake, and the snake dies. No money, no weapons, no training, and there is no more problem. I, I agree. There have to be repercussions for Iran. Iran is sitting there laughing while Hamas people die, Hezbollah people die, Lebanese people die, Palestinian people die, uh, Israelis die, uh, and, and, and Iran is laughing. It hasn't cost them a nickel. Um, yeah, maybe they didn't get their $6 billion now, but who knows? Maybe it'll be forthcoming. But this has not imposed the cost on Iran. If you want to deter people, you have to make it costly. My idea is to destroy Iran's nuclear reactor. But at the very least, they should be punished economically. Did Hitler ask the Grand Mufti about exiling Jews, to which Mufti suggested killing them? Absolutely. There was a time when there was a proposal to send uh, Jews out uh, of Germany to other uh, countries. In fact, there were some trainloads of Jews that were headed out, and the Grand Mufti stopped them and said, no, you can't just, just send them to other countries. They're Jews. They'll do terrible things. Kill them. And, and the Grand Mufti, uh, who was the head of the Palestinian people, along with Hitler, um, um, planned to have uh, extermination camps in Palestine of Jews in the event that Germany was able to uh, capture that area. Of course, we know that they were defeated in Northern Africa, and they never got to uh, what was then called uh, Palestine. But the Grand Mufti's desire was to kill all the Jews. Professor Dershowitz, thank you for your work and the time to explain this important topic. I'm wondering if others can speak to why Palestinians refuse to accept any previous proposals for statehood. It's very simple because they all provide for the existence of the nation state of the Jewish people, Israel. And as long as Israel exists, people like Hamas and their charter says, no, we won't accept any deal. Why the Palestinian Authority didn't? It's a more complex question. Ask them. But they had so many opportunities to get a state. You know, compare them to the Kurds. The Kurds are more Kurds, less violence, more legal basis for a state. And nobody, nobody wants to see the Kurds have a state. Uh, but the Palestinians, they're about seventh on the list of people who deserve a state. But the six before them are, are unlucky because they don't have the nation state of the Jewish people as their alleged oppressor. And therefore, the anti-Semites of the world, of which there are so many, don't rally around them. And that, that, that's the only thing that explains why more people support Palestine than support the Kurdish uh, people. But the people who support the Palestinian state, for the most part, do not support a two-state solution. Uh, okay, doxing. Remember I said that naming and identifying people who have written these statements in support of Hamas 
is not doxing. And here's a note from a younger person. Yes, doxing is only when one publicizes the address or other location information on a person or other personal things, if you talk about a person's sexual orientation or something like that. That's doxing. But naming a person, simply telling a law firm, do you really think this person can serve the interests of your clients if he or she thinks that it's okay to rape, behead, kidnap, murder innocent people? Uh, would you want your clients to be represented by such a person? I would not. That's not doxing. That's transparency. That's the marketplace of ideas. That's the search for truth. Why is Israel so important to you that you are putting your own family at the risk of death? Why not, as many people have done throughout time, move to a safer place? You know, the Jews wanted to do that in Europe, and every country in the world turned them down. The United States sent away a ship called the St. Louis that had 900 Jews escaping from Hitler. And the United States wouldn't take them. Canada wouldn't take them. The Canadian Minister of Absorption said, even one is too many, one Jew. So, you know, escaping and trying to find refuge as a minority in, in, in another state is not what the Jews of the world are entitled to. They're entitled to have their own state like everybody else is entitled to have their own state. The Palestinians can have their own state if they would only recognize that the Jews have the right to have their state as well. And so, you know, that's uh, that's the, the reality. I respect Alan's views on law. However, if you want a more nuanced view of this particular war, you should listen to Norman Finkelstein. Norman Finkelstein. Norman Finkelstein did a tweet, I'm not quoting it exactly, in which he said it warmed his heart to see Hamas murdering, raping, kidnapping, beheading these people. Do you think you should listen to a man like that? Norman Finkelstein is a despicable anti-Semite, anti-American, anti-obviously uh, Israel, anti-truth, and anti-decency. So please, if you want to listen to Norman Finkelstein, listen to him. But I'm not going to be quoting you on this show. You can be sure of that. See you tomorrow. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.